In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending September the 2nd, Congress will soon return from its August recess, but many feel little will get done before the November elections. But record or near-record crop surpluses and low commodity prices have prompted the nation's top farm groups to seek help from Congress and USDA. Here's American Farm Bureau Market Intelligence Director John Newton. In the short run, we want to do things to boost consumption of agricultural products, whether that's uh, through food donation programs like the USDA just announced with cheese or through enhancing opportunities for trade like in TPP. Those are things that can help U.S. farmers and ranchers and help their agricultural income improve. As for the long-term outlet, Newton says... Well, we also look at the at the USDA and, and Farm Bill programs, and we're starting the process now of thinking about how do we improve these safety net programs? How do we make crop insurance better? How do we make Title I programs better so that they're more effective safety nets going forward? And USDA has released their latest farm income forecast, and according to this story from Rod Bain, farm sector profits are down from last year. For 2016, we forecast net cash farm income and net farm income to decline by 13.3% and 11.5% respectively over 2015. And according to USDA economist Jim Williamson, from a historical perspective, if that latest 2016 net farm income forecast is realized, that would be at its lowest level since 2009. Williamson explained some factors behind the projected lower farm sector profitability. The value of agricultural sector production is forecast to fall for the third straight year. This is on higher yield and production levels, which are growing to near record or record levels. As a result, higher production is driving supplies higher and prices lower. Cash receipts are forecasted to fall almost 7% year over year. For the second consecutive year, farm production expenses are lower. Also down from last year, farm asset values and farm debt. One area of increase, though, is direct government farm program payments. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Well, earlier in the season, due to the high number of peanut stocks and amount of peanut acres being planted, farmers were told to make sure they had a federally approved peanut warehouse available before harvest. But exports have been better than first thought, and as Tyron Spearman reports, a few trade teams are coming to the U.S. to see about getting more of our peanuts. Well, peanut harvest is just around the corner, and exports have been big in the news this year, so more trade teams are coming to the peanut harvest, according to the American Peanut Council. Exports to Japan are higher in 2016, and a reverse trade mission of Japanese customers are coming to Georgia in September. They'll be in Georgia September the 25th through the 28th. They also announced a large group from China coming in October the 11th through the 14th. China has become the largest export market this year for the U.S. There's been a great deal of interest in the Chinese peanut industry as they visit the U.S., They will start their tour in Atlanta, end up in Bainbridge, Georgia, to tour the National Peanut Lab in Dawson as well. A Mexican group is also coming. They'll be visiting uh, San Antonio, Texas, October the 24th through the 27th. In addition to touring farms, shelling plants, and manufacturers facilities, they'll have a seminar on how to export more peanuts to Mexico. The American Peanut Council works in cooperation with the Foreign Agricultural Service to set up these trade teams that will be visiting various locations in the United States to view the peanut belt. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Now, the Florida Agriculture Financial Management Conference took place recently near Orlando, and one of the speakers was Blake Willis, who is Chief Consulting Officer with July Business Services. He talked with Southeast Agnet's Ernie Neff about retirement plan ideas for farmers. 
You talked about one specific plan. I think it's the cash balance that some farmers especially will use to transfer the farm uh, or take as payment for the farm when they want to transfer it to a younger generation down the line. Yes, we've seen a number of farmers use cash balance plan as a way of transferring ownership from one generation to the next generation. They can do that by making tax-deductible payments to the older generation that is wanting to leave the business. And the reason a cash balance plan works well for this is because you have such significantly larger contributions that can be made each year, depending on the owner's age, potentially 200000 or more dollars a year. So let's say, as an example, that an owner... Uh, is transferring down to the next generation and wants to be paid $2 million, well, we might be able to set up a cash balance plan doing 200000 a year for the next 10 years. And instead of the older generation receiving that $2 million and paying tax on it, that $2 million has gone in tax deductible into a cash balance plan. And it is now uh, not, it, it's growing in a tax deferred account. And there's a lot more options from a tax deferment standpoint for that generation, that older generation, to you know, make estate planning or other uh, tax planning decisions than have just received the cash and having paid tax on it for the sale of their business or the transfer of it to the next generation. And then essentially, say, like you said, 10 years down the line, he can pass the farm over to the younger generation. Essentially, the younger generation has already paid for their portion of the farm by not getting their big contributions, right? Right. We set up the cash balance in grouping people together so we can have group one be the older generation and group two be the younger generation, where we give group one, the older generation, a large contribution and group two, no contribution. So the older generation is receiving a benefit that the younger generation isn't. Let's call it $200,000 a year. It just happens to be going into the retirement plan in a tax-deductible way rather than being received by them, but they're getting a benefit. Their they're $2 million over 10 years, let's say, has just accumulated inside a qualified plan, protected from creditors, all tax-deferred, as opposed to receiving it outside the plan. But yes, they've received their pen- benefit, their payment for the farm, And the younger generation now has the farm. The older generation has been paid. And they've done it all in the most efficient tax tax deductible manner possible. SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, they're pretty easy to set up and administer. This cash balance is a little more complex and probably needs some professional help, right? Definitely needs professional help. Much more complex. Uh, You have to have an actuary. Uh, to, um, to provide services to a cash balance plan. But even for a small cash balance plan, you could still operate a small cash balance plan for four or $5,000 of cost a year. So for the cost that's paid to think about the tax savings, it's really you know, very small cost uh, in relation to the tax savings and the tax benefits from this type of creative strategy. For Southeast Agnet, I'm Ernie Neff. With this week's Georgia Grown Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, Wes Shannon, a peanut farmer in Tiff County, Georgia, talks about some of the things that make him proud to produce one of Georgia's top crops. I've been growing peanuts as long as I've been farming and have always been proud to be known as a peanut farmer. Uh, Even though we grow other crops and are involved in other things, it's always been a pleasure in being a peanut farmer. In growing a crop that's so wholesome and nutritious, something that can feed not only folks in this country, but around the world. The peanuts and peanut butter has so many vitamins and so much nutritional value that it's even used to 
bring malnutrition children back into good health within a, a short period of time. That's sort of what farming is about. It's about making a difference, about feeding people around the world, your friends, your neighbors, and people you don't even know. I'm proud to be a part of that. To learn more about West Shannon and the peanut industry in Georgia, visit the Georgia Grown Building this October at the Georgia National Fair, or check us out online at georgiagrown.com. This is Nathan Wilson reminding you that if it's not local, it's not Georgia Grown. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talks about farm labor being among the most dangerous jobs. From the day school is out to the start of the next fall term, that's a long, boring spell for teenagers. More of them than the public realizes look for jobs. Some, especially those who live on the farm, already have one. Now, these are the most dangerous jobs to be had. Somewhere in their work, they encounter a varying degree of danger. It's always there when the use of heavy equipment is required. Most jobs on the farm do, and dealing with large animals poses a risk. And chemicals used on the farm cause, in fact, it demands precaution. And any chain-driven or belt-driven piece of equipment is an accident waiting to happen. Any work on the farm is hot and hard. Now, those who pursue it are all ready for school to begin. So, so you'll know, farm labor is among the best-paying jobs of summer. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week are on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.